Let's jump right in here. I am thrilled to have a marvelous millennial on the line with me, Katie Kiefer. She is one impressive young woman. Katie Kiefer, welcome to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Well, thanks so much for having me on, Kim. It is just great to have you here. Now, Katie, you are a most impressive young woman. You are an entrepreneur, an author, commentator. You have a column in Town Hall. Uh, you've already written a book, Let Me Be Clear, Historical Lessons, Political Solutions to Achieve Your Entrepreneurial Dreams. And you've even debated Bill Maher. So where <laughs> should we start? Tell me your story. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, that was a fun debate, uh, for sure. I, I'd i have to give credit to my parents for anything that I may have accomplished in life. They definitely set me on the right track. And so there's hope out there. If you have children and you're putting a lot of work into them, it may not click at the moment you give the lesson, but down the road it will pay off. And I wouldn't be anything without them. So they gave me a great foundation. And from there, I I had also a a natural passion and interest um, that they encouraged, of course, in politics and in, um, in, in in our country, a lot of patriotism. And, um, my grandfather's also of course served in the war. So they encouraged that patriotism. So that was the foundation. Okay, so your grandfather's served in World War II? Yes. Are, are either of them still living? No, um, they're not. <laughs> well, the reason I ask is because, Katie, in 2016, I had the great honor to go with the group organized by the Denver Police Activities League. Uh, and there were uh, four students that they had an essay contest, and they were the winners. And there were four police officers, uh, and they also had an essay contest, and they were the winners. And we went to Normandy with four D-Day veterans. And I came back realizing how important it is to to share these stories. So I have another um, radio show. It's the AmeriChicks World War II Project, where I've interviewed over 100 World War II veterans. So that was the oh reason that I asked you that question. So, Oh, that's amazing. I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah, it's truly changing my life. But, but appreciating what those guys did, it sounds like that your family made sure that you kids knew that. Definitely, yes. So that was instilled from the beginning. And I was actually homeschooled through eighth grade and so of course my parents had a lot of um, influence over our education in that regard and then went to a, a classical school classical private school for high school um, so I also think that edu- having a good education was helpful you know Katie but, on, on that note we're having a, a time out here in Colorado uh, we've had great success with charter schools and uh, which are public schools, um, but they're charter schools, and the parents are very active in, in those particular schools. Um, and one up in Boulder County, which is a classical academy uh, associated with Hillsdale College, the Boulder Valley School District denied their charter. And just last week, this school went before the State Board of Education, and they were de- denied there as well. And there were over 600 families that were on the wait list on that. So when you're talking about your education, I'm becoming more and more convinced that homeschooling is uh, a very important component, and the parents need to really look at that. 
Definitely, yes. And I know it sounds daunting and a lot of work. And, of course, I don't have children of my own yet, and it's always easy to tell someone else to look into homeschooling um, when you haven't actually done it. But I do know that from observing my mother, and I was one of five kids, and she homeschooled all of us for grade school, that um, the older children can help the younger ones, and we are just all very close as a family because of that, and we did a lot of field trips. It can be really fun. It can be really hard, but if you are organized and your spouse whoever is, whichever spouse, the mother, the father is not doing the most of education, as long as they're really supportive, it will definitely work out. Well, uh, it's impressive uh, what you have accomplished in in your young life, really. I mean, an entrepreneur, author, commentator, uh, your column. We're going to talk in the next uh, couple of segments about a piece that you just have recently written regarding abortion. Uh, But tell me a little bit about your first book. Let me be clear. Mm -hmm. Sure. Well, I got into writing by entering a contest for the largest newspaper in Minneapolis, or one of the two. There's two because there's a Twin Cities. I won that contest and started writing editorials as a high school student. And then as a college student, I started a newspaper from scratch um, that was a, an independent conservative newspaper. I edited it, founded it, and then wrote a lot of the articles. So that was really a way that I got into journalism. I thought of being a journalism major, but dropped out of that um, major after one class because I realized that that program, and I believe this is true at a lot of schools, it's just liberal indoctrination. So I chose philosophy instead of journalism as my major. Um, (laughs) Then I worked in business. I worked for the largest commercial real estate firm in Minneapolis, starting with an internship that I had in college. Um, I was always working. I was definitely um, not one of those college students that's partying all the time, but I got a lot, I really got a lot out of my education. I always was, I always had a job too. So I was getting hands on business experience, real life experience at the same time and at a young age. Um, And of course, through that process, met a lot of people who were just very happy to be mentors to me, give me advice. And I took a lot of their advice. Um, Smart girl. (laughs) (laughs) So that's important, um, too, when you're young. And then, um, let's see, the real estate market was getting a little slow. I wanted to keep learning, but I also wanted to keep writing. But I did, that was a good experience to learn how to write for business, to learn about business. Mm -hmm. And so I started writing my column full-time for town Hall, and at the same time, my dad asked me if I would be interested in caring for his mother, who had Alzheimer's. So I basically, I wasn't sure about it. He said, it'll probably be a two-week deal. <laughs> it turned okay. out to be a little over three years. Oh. So I cared for her, and I wrote, and I also flew all over the country speaking and 
So it was a really unique experience. It was difficult and challenging, but I learned a lot from her, and I also did a lot of writing during that time. And so while I was putting my column out on Town Hall, that was when, um, after about two years of doing it, well, maybe three, Random House reached out to me and said, we really like your writing style. Would you be interested in writing a book? And that's how that all happened. Oh, my gosh. I tell you, Katie, this is an amazing story. Uh, at some point, I think we need to delve in a little bit more to your care for... Now, was who was this exactly that you took care of that had Alzheimer's? Was oh, my, my grandmother. So your my grandmother, okay. Mother. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I... I, everybody has different talents, and I don't think I ever really could be a nurse, but I do think that I could be a geriatric nurse. I, I really enjoy um, older people and the stories that they tell. So at some oh, point yeah. in time, we'll have to talk about that. But the reason that we wanted to, to really chat today is this piece that you had done, done in town hall here in, in just a, a week or so ago regarding abortion. So let's go to break. When we come back, uh, you really uh, shed some light on this very important subject in, the, in America today. So this is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks. Uh, we're talking to a marvelous millennial. That is Katie Kiefer, and we will be right back. Welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. We need to be having these conversations. Uh, I offer the conservatarian perspective. Be sure and check out my website, AmeriChicks.com. I am the AmeriChicks on Facebook and Twitter as well. Thrilled to be talking with uh, a marvelous young woman, uh, Katie Kiefer. She is an author. She is an entrepreneur. She's a commentator. Uh, Coleman Town Hall. She's written a book, Let Me Be Clear. She even debated Bill Maher. But uh, Katie, welcome. It's, it's just so great to have you on the line with me. Um, oh, yes, thank you. This piece that you just have written, it was published, I believe, February 11th, When yes. Murder is Easy. Uh, you are pretty hard-hitting on a subject that is at the forefront in America now, and that is abortion. With what we have seen, uh, Governor Ralph Northam in Virginia uh, actually saying that uh, they would abort babies in the fourth trimester, and with New York, Como, uh, actually signing legislation for late-term abortions, and now Donald Trump taking a stand for life. Uh, the veil is off on what is going on in America. So let's jump in here. This is a very important piece, when murder is easy. So let's uh, let's start at the very beginning, Katie. Sure. I guess the message that I really wanted to get across is that we've lost a healthy dose of shock when it comes to abortion, and it seems to be the one one form of murder where that's the case in the United States. And I know people say that we have been numbed due to the violent movies and video games and whatnot, but I still feel as though there is shock when there's a mass shooting, for example, and rightfully so, of course. Mm -hmm. But when there is a mass um, genocide with regard to babies, there's actually not shock, but applause. And so, yeah, they I lit up the World uh, World Trade Center tower. 
Right. It was unbelievable. They they lit it up pink in honor of this legislation uh, approving late-term abortions. And, uh, Katie, I was preparing a, a show just recently, and I found the picture of Andrew Como signing the legislation. He's smiling. The people behind him are smiling. And it looked diabolical to me. Exactly. It is the devil. It is. The devil is getting involved in our country, and it's because we have allowed um, that evil influence to come to pass. Um, I quote Edmund Burke as saying, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And that is definitely happening here. Um, murder, we have to start acknowledging abortion as murder, of course. And um, one thing that is just appalling to me when I hear the, the left say this is that they won't give Trump any credit for anything. And I saw this in the Associated Press where they said that the increase of females in the workplace is due to population growth and not something that Trump can credit to any of his policies. And of course, I'm sure most of your audience will remember that after the State of the Union, um, the women in the white coats on the Democratic side were getting applause from other women for standing up for women. And they were getting the credit for helping women find opportunities. But the truth is that it is policies like Trump's and pro-life politicians before him who have stood up for life, who are responsible for the fact that women even have a chance, that any of those women had a shot at life. Um, Two in five pregnancies end by abortion in New York City alone, and that's going to increase. Now, what did you just say? Two in five pregnancies in New York City uh, end in abortion? Yes, they're terminated by abortion. Uh, that's so astounding. That mean, mm-hmm. And that's going to increase, I am sure, to some extent by the, the new laws. You know, what's so interesting is, and, and I think the Democrat Party of today is not the Democrat Party of JFK. Uh, I think the Democrat Party has been taken over by radical progressive uh, activists for quite some time. And, of course, there's been this lie that I think has been told to women that abortion is part of, of women's health. But, Katie, I'm in, encouraged with you know hard-hitting pieces like what you have done with President Trump taking a stand for life. And then I think the veil is now off. Uh, when we hear what Ralph Northam said, Virginia governor about abortion in the fourth trimester and we see Andrew Como's New York lauding uh, and proud of abortion by lighting up the World Trade Center I think the veil is off and most reasonable people when they really understand what's been going on they're like wait a minute (laughs) this isn't what I thought was happening and so I'm I'm encouraged on that uh, Katie yeah definitely and it's it will help if we educate our fellow men and women because most people don't realize and it's not necessarily their fault we're all just so busy and the news that happens to be on when we're going about our daily business in the airport or in a restaurant doesn't tend to be very educational so you really have to dig and work and listen to shows for example like yours to find it one thing that other women can 
and men can help point out is the fact that so many of these Democratic women who are running for, who have put their hat in the ring to run for president in 2020, they're all mothers, but they don't support other women at having that shot at being a mother themselves. Interesting. That is so interesting. And the other thing is, is think about the number of, of baby girls, and of course baby boys, but women that say they're standing up for, for women. Think about the number of little baby girls that have been aborted. I mean, that seems like that's antithetical to women's rights. Definitely. It's horrible. And so we can be, we can definitely be the people who stand up for girls because these other people who claim to be really are and truly are not they're eliminating baby girls as you say um, and their chances one thing that Nancy Pelosi recently told Time magazine is that my quote my greatest accomplishment is my family and I had to reread that and say I guess you don't want any other women to have that experience. Well, and you know, Katie, I I think about how different the world would be if women who found themselves in a difficult situation um, chose abortion uh, instead of having the baby. And who comes to mind right now is um, Tim McGraw, you know, the great country singer. Oh, yeah. Uh, his dad was Tug McGraw, who was a baseball player. And and I, I hope I have the story right. I probably should have researched this, but this is how I remember it. And if I don't have all the details correct, I, I do apologize. But my understanding is, is that uh, Tug McGraw didn't even know for a few years that Tim had been born. Tim's mother had chosen life. Uh, she was a, a single mom, obviously. And here oh. she's given birth to this amazing, talented singer. And, and we have to ask ourselves, you know, have we lost the, the person that would, would cure cancer for earlier? I mean, we just right. don't know. We have to ask ourselves those questions. So Kamala Harris, you know, when she threw her hat in the ring, she asked the question, who are we? I do agree with her on that. That's probably the only thing. And that is, mm-hmm. we have to ask ourselves, who are we as Americans? Right. So uh, oh, on that, yeah. yeah, let's let's go ahead and jump through this, this piece that you have written uh, for Town Hall, When Murder is Easy. It was, I believe it was Fe- February 11th. Um, you mentioned both Nancy Pelosi. She is a mother and, and a grandmother. And, and I have to agree that I think that, that being a mom is one of the, the, you know, the greatest things that you could ever do. It's, it's such a blessing. But uh, you, said, you've, you mentioned that there's mothers against life. Explain this. Well, Kristen Gillibrand, Camilla Harris, Elizabeth Warren, and then their major support system, Nancy Pelosi. They're all mothers. Um, Kamala Harris is a stepmother of two, but she's still a mother. Um, they're all mothers, and then Elizabeth Warren and Nancy Pelosi are also grandmothers. And I, I, I point that out. I point out that these women are taking very strong stances against other women uh, um, having having life at all, having any sort of opportunity to have a job, to be a part of Congress, that like they are someday, but also women um, encouraging women from my age, for example, and younger women who are of um, 
of childbirth, of age to give birth to a child, encouraging them to say no to that, to that, and and to put that aside when they obviously didn't do that themselves. So I think that that's very, um, very deceptive of them, and they're clearly just looking out for their own political career and not for women because they obviously have chosen to be mothers and have found great joy in that. Um, yeah, they're fi- looking for votes. Yeah, I, I find that really interesting uh, on that. And you are a millennial, and just very quickly, uh, the millennials, I think, are becoming very uh, strong proponents of life. And a lot of that is is because millennials have seen their little brother or sister, the ultrasound picture, on the refrigerator, and they're going, wait a minute, that's not just a bunch of cells or whatever. That is a little being that is growing. And so I'm very encouraged, but I do think that we need to make sure that we defund Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood is probably the largest abortion provider in the country, and a a country that, that spends their tax dollars to abort their children, I find very, very concerning. So I tell you what, let's go to break, uh, Katie. I'd, I'd like to bite off this next part of your piece, and that is no nurturers without protectors. So let's talk about that when we come back. This is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks talking with Katie Kiefer, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree? Let's have the conversation. I offer a conservatarian perspective. And be sure to check out my website, AmeriChicks.com. I am the AmeriChicks on Facebook and Twitter as well. Thrilled to be talking with Katie Kiefer. She is a millennial. She's an entrepreneur, an author, a commentator. She has a regular column in uh, Town Hall. She's written her first book, Let Me Be Clear. She's debated Bill Maher, and we are talking about this very hard-hitting, important piece that she wrote, When Murder is Easy. Now, there's something so interesting in this piece. You said there's no nurturers without protectors. And as I've thought about abortion, moms and dads, you know, Lyndon Johnson, when he was talking about the Great Society, he basically said to women, we will take care of you and your children as long as there's not a man in the house. And what has happened, I think that it has hurt children, it's hurt women, but I also think that it has hurt men. And that seems to be maybe something like what you were talking about in your piece. So let's talk about that. Women are natural nurturers and social role models. So take it from there. Okay. Yes, women and men, I truly believe, and science also has proven, that we're different, different in good and important ways, and yet also equal. Women are naturally nurturers, they're social role models, and therefore should be the last people in any society to be clamoring for death. If you look around our country, the United States, it's not men, but it's women who are the loudest proponents of killing children uh, through abortion and preventing children from coming to life. But men have a, a very important role, too, because men are naturally wired to protect, and they are better at conquest. They are natural political leaders in any society. And while I think that 
a lot of women are stronger than men in many ways, such as emotionally. Men have certain strengths that they're not utilizing, and part of it is because our culture... Uh, I think it's partly the. I think it's part of the uh, the feminist movement, which is another, uh, I think, detriment to the radical progressive activist feminist movement. But go oh, ahead. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. I can completely understand why many men are fearful of leading in our society today. But I just wanted to encourage women to tap into that natural nurture that is inside of them, to encourage other women to do that, and to encourage the men in their lives, including the young men that they're raising, to to lead and to be proud of that. And for men, and it's, it's something that both genders are going to have to cooperate on and encourage each other in, um, in accepting that natural role that they have. You know, um, Katie, just to interject that, we talked in one of the other segments about both your grandfathers served in World War II, and I've interviewed so many World War II veterans, and these these guys now, they're in their 90s. They were, some of them lied to get into the, the service at 16, 17, and 18. But, I mean, war war is hell. There, there's no d- doubt about it. But they oh, did have sure. to lead. And then they came back to America. There's a reason why they were called the, the greatest generation is because they had to dig down and lead. And so I, 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 it doesn't mean that we can't teach our young men, men this now, but we need to recognize that. Oh, yes. That experience, I'm sure, was helpful. The culture was a more religious culture. And women, if, if women wanted to take on a more feminine, uh, a more traditional role, women weren't criticized for that. And they also weren't criticized if they wanted to do what my grandma did, was become a nurse and get really actively involved in the war, you know, have a career and a job and then raise a family after that. So... Women were really empowered, and men, of course, had that great experience, but we need to continue to encourage both genders to lead, and men and women are both leaders, but they just are better leaders when they do it in the way that they're um, Wired for. Uh, just just a quick note, when you, when you mentioned gender, you did see that Kirsten Gillibrand is advocating for a third gender, gender from the federal level. I, I was uh, astounded to see that. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. Well. So I, I, I digress. I apologize. Let's, uh, let's continue on with this uh, important piece that you've done. And that is that... Um, you say something about the first murder and Agatha Christie. I found this fascinating. Expound on that. Yes. Well, as someone who loves to read and write, I have recently gotten very into Agatha Christie, and I've read some of her biggest hits, such as And Then There Were None, Murder on the Orient Express, and as well as many of her more obscure novels. And one thing, one reason... Um, part of me reading those books was, why is she so popular even today? Why have her books been made into movies? Why has she outsold so many other novelists, except perhaps the Bible and Tolkien? And it's really because she did not just write murder mysteries, because a million other authors have done that. 
she understood human nature. And so when you read her books, you're, you're learning something about yourself and your fellow man, and it clicks. And one thing that she points out over and over a theme is that when a murderer commits one murder, it's highly likely that he or she is going to murder a second time. And Christy illustrates this by saying, that he or she has proven to um, themselves that they are, in a sense, God, that murder is simple. And once they have shown that to themselves by killing one person, it's not that hard to do it again. And I thought about an abortionist and how sometimes we think, how can they commit so many murders, kill so many babies? And I really think that it's that that first time they killed that baby, it was most likely the very hardest time. And each successive time after that, it just gets easier and easier for themselves to do that. And that's a reality that is important for us to understand as a culture. And I am also calling on religious leaders and bishops to start calling out um, the medical community and and stand up for life instead of focusing so much on illegal immigration to get their priorities right. Well, and Katie, I really see, I, I, I'm very encouraged because the, the veil is off now. You know, uh, the the radical feminists have said, oh, this is about the mother's health. This would be, uh, you know, that if the baby was not going to survive or, you know, they kind of go way over on that. When you really look at the numbers, though, since Roe versus Wade was, uh, you know, past the Supreme Court, I mean, the numbers are astounding. There's no way to know for sure. But there's estimates from anywhere from 40 to 60 million children uh, have uh, been aborted. And if if you really think about that, you you just look at it realistically. This whole argument on mother's health and if, you know, the baby wasn't going to survive, that just doesn't fly when when you look at the numbers. And then the other thing is, is we we talk about Mao and China and Stalin and, and Lenin and Hitler. Hitler's numbers were of the amount of people that he killed was more, I think, like in the 15 to 17 million. So we are looking at possibly double or triple the atrocities of Hitler. And and if you start to really think about it like that and and put the truth to that, I think Americans are going to wake up and they're going to say, wait a minute. Not on my watch. And it's very encouraging uh, that President Trump has become has come out in favor of life. But we're seeing we're seeing what we have here now, Katie. And that is the Democrat Party today is, again, not the party of JFK. It is the party of death, destruction, division and victimhood. And who are we as Americans? We are creators. We are innovators and we stand for life. And so. I'm I'm so encouraged that the narrative is actually we're seeing what's going on. Yes, there is definitely hope out there. There is hope in those young boys who put their Make America Great hats on again and went out and supported life. There's so many young people. Every time I go to a pro-life event, there's young people there. And we can, we definitely need more young people there. Um, also, go. I encourage any young person who's doubtful about abortion or of any age to go 
to an abortion clinic and stand outside. And I recently did that in front of one. It wasn't Planned Parenthood. It was a private clinic that was tucked away, has no signage, and those sometimes get more traffic, unfortunately. But I, in the matter of an hour, I saw um, close to 20 young women under the age of, I would say, 35 going in and getting an abortion and they were determined but they looked depressed Mm -hmm. and just seeing that that one hour if I I think if I had been on the fence that would have really made me Mm -hmm. think about things. Well, yeah, they're in a, a tough spot and so we as their fellow citizens need to wrap our arms around them with love and support and encourage life and make sure that we do not use tax dollars to fund abortion. Katie Kiefer, we're just about out of time. How can people find you? Where, where, where's uh, What's your website? It's Katie Kiefer, so K-A-T-I-E-K-I-E-F-F-E-R.com. Okay. Well, great. It's been wonderful having you uh, as my guest. Uh, I, I thank you so much. Thank you. It's wonderful to talk to you. Good to talk with you as well. And so uh, we're, we're out of time. However, Victor Hugo had a quote. He said, a mother's arms are made of tenderness and children sleep soundly in them.